This is the Mobile Tech Podcast, brought to you by worldpodcasts.com. Now here's your host, tech girl, Miriam Jouar. Hi, and welcome to the Mobile Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Miriam Jouar, and today is Thursday, December 12th, 2019. And my guest is no other than Jaime Rivera of PocketNow. Hi, Jaime. How are you? It's doing great. So good to so good to be invited one more time. Thank you. Oh yeah, thanks for being on. I, it's been such a little while that I've been trying to get you, and uh, I know, you know, it's I'm just sorry. Ah, don't worry about it. It's just that you have such a knack for the news, and we have a bunch of interesting news this week. Some iPhone and Galaxy rumors that you've covered extensively on the daily on Pocket Now, and I have, you know, I love Chinese phones, and there's a whole bunch of Chinese phone news going on right now. So, I, basically, yeah. that's going to be the show. I don't know how you feel about Chinese phones. I love them. Yeah, I want to be clear. I think for me, Chinese phones are kind of like, you know, the forbidden fruits, right? The phones we can't really <laughs> easily get, or you have to import or gray market, or they're really weird, or they'll never come out with Google mobile services, etc. right? So that's kind of what I categorize in quotes, Chinese phones. Well, I am actually about to get the top forbidden fruit very soon. Oh, I know that one. I'm also try- about to get <laughs> that top forbidden fruit. I've been working really hard with the right people in the right places to get that top forbidden fruit. Good, good, good. I can't wait to try out that camera. Yeah, me too. I have a way to install GMS on it too, so I think it's going to be it's going to be oh, good. Oh, you and I need to talk then. We will talk. So, well, let's talk iPhone. You're you use an iPhone 11. I think every creator right now is using an iPhone 11 because it kicks so much ass. I for have, the right reasons, finally. Right? For the right reasons. I, yeah. I have a 10 that I'm about to trade in. Um, or an 11 Pro. Oh yeah, Pro. trade that in. That was like the worst one. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at trading mine in for just a small 11 Pro, uh, probably an Emerald. Oh, I, I, I would not get the 11 Pro. I would get the 11, the basic well, one. Well, want, I want the three cameras. If I'm going to you know, go all out, I'm just, I don't know. You should, I think you think I should not bother? Yeah, well, in my case, I was like, my God, like, to, like I literally paid $1,500 for mine. Because if you do the math, it's uh, you can't survive on 64 gigs. You need 256, right? And so, which is the the only tier that's available. So it's 150 dollars over the premium of 999. Plus the fact that you obviously need Apple Care because I mean, if you're well, going to yeah. use it for the long run, it's just the best thing to do. And so, do the math. It's 1500 bucks once you add taxes. <sighs> It's right. crazy. See, I was going to be holding back by not buying the Max, right? Like that's how, And honestly, yeah. I don't think I need more than yeah. 64 because for me, I basically offload my videos as I go. It's really rare that I fill up the phone. Oh, okay. And I don't do 4K. Remember, I record 1080p. So the storage is not going to be an issue. Apple Care, we'll see. Sometimes I get it, sometimes I don't. Uh, and then, I, I think that this is the phone that's going to make you jump to 4K because, God, yeah? it's so good. Oh, maybe it's just, I will. Maybe it's one of those right. things where it's so, like... Miriam, I use thirty. I, well, it's more like five thousand dollars worth of camera kit uh, between just my GH five and the lens that I'm using with it. And my B camera is an iPhone eleven Pro. It just it's that good. Oh, I know. But see, the problem is my workflow is all optimized. At least when I'm on the go around ten eighty p, because I have a MacBook twelve inch. Remember for editing? Uh huh. Yeah. Oh my god! Yeah, I wanted to right? bother you about that MacBook at, at hey, I'm waiting for the arm. I'm waiting for an arm replacement. That honestly, that's it at this point. I'm, I'd be ready to buy a 16-inch MacBook Pro in a heartbeat because that's what I would uh-huh. need right now to do proper work. Like, but also I need my escape yeah. key. Like, I've been waiting for an escape key <laughs> to come back, so I'm all set for that. It's either a MacBook Air at this point, like the new one, or a 16-inch MacBook Pro. And I'm not sure. Should I do 4K editing on the Air? Does that work? Have you tried it? 
Ah, uh, it would no, don't, no. don't. So, if you're doing so see, 1080p, so we're looking at a lot of money all of a sudden right now. So I'm thinking, okay, my quality right now is not really the the resolution issue. It's more like I'm not happy with things like color balance, contrast, all these issues I have with my Pixel Four recording video, right? Yeah. So I'm like, oh, they're trash, right? So I'm thinking if I can just up my game by staying to 1080. Until I and and you have a device that I can transition to 4K with maybe six months from now when I can when I update my Mac right like I'm hoping that at yeah. some point a MacBook comes along that's ARM based that can do 4K video editing because like the iPad does you know like an yeah, iPad Pro yeah. is ARM based and does 4K video editing perfectly fine so we'll see I don't know maybe I should get an 11 maybe I don't need the I love telephoto. the 11 if you if you if you do the math um here's the thing telephoto is good to have if you like street photography but then you know it's gonna most it, most of the time it'll just switch off this is just for video recording in, i'm not going to use this phone for anything else like it's going to be my video camera right that's all i i just i never use that telephoto like at all like i just i don't care like for me i would write i would rather have a wider crop recording 4k and then you know be able to export a 1080p in your case um, I would rather have more storage because that's one of the things like it really right. hogs on storage. So I think, you know, this conversation is really helpful because I think I'm going to buy an 11 non-pro because it's, it's going to be a cheaper upgrade anyway. And, and then go for the 128 and go variant, get more which storage. is just $50 yeah, more. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then, and then yeah. get myself a better video device. Wow. Very helpful, Jaime. I'm telling you, it's that good. <laughs> So so let's back up a bit because we've kind of derailed the whole podcast with this. It's Sorry. fine though because it's really helpful. No, no, no. Get the, We're going to talk about iPhone rumors and this is a good yeah. preamble to the next conversation, which I think is really interesting. I mean, there's so many rumors. Maybe you can summarize it in a nutshell for us because I know you've been covering this almost daily uh, in the daily. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's, it's funny how people are like, my God, there's so much iPhone news. And it's just funny, but it's like our audience is, is so anti-iPhone and yet they click more whenever it's an iPhone video. It's just hilarious. Like if I post a video that's, that talks about Oppo, for example, which today's video is going to be about that. Um, and I'll, I'll explain to you why. Um, because I notice it's not in the rundown. Yeah, People we're gonna go well, well, we'll add it because stuff has been added since yesterday anyway. You know. How oh it yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, but think about it as here. Uh, we've got two separate predictions. One coming from Ming-Chi Kuo, which I trust more, and then we've got other analysts that are predicting separately. So Ming-Chi Kuo says we're getting five iPhones, five different models for 2020, um, right? For 2020, apparently, rumors have it that at least four of these units are going to have 5G, and then one of them might not, which is the possible successor to the SE2. Well, to the SE, which would be the SE2. It'll bring the design of the iPhone 8, but with the internals of the iPhone well, 11, Well, that one which was a given. We, we knew an SE2 was coming, and that's what Theo is going to get, my spouse, because oh. they, they're on an SE original, and they're hurting real bad right now. And so that's one of them, and that's rumored to happen in March. But so here's the thing. Um, the rumors are that there will be another four models. Apparently that there will be two 11, like two 12 models. Like yeah. if you go and for the two iPhone 12 11. Pros, right? Exactly. And so apparently huh. there's going to be a 12 and a 12 Max and then a 12 Pro and a 12 Pro Max. Huh. You know, honestly, I don't see that being surprising because if you think about it mm. it's in apple's best interest to diversify the 11 exactly. if i had and you know since i'm about to buy one thanks to you jaime it is a bigger <laughs> phone than i'd like to be honest right yeah but but apparently that's not going to change so it's going up in size not down in size 
So apparently the 11 and the, sorry, the 12 and the 12 pro, it'll be 6.1 inches. And then there's still no word on the size of the larger one. Now, the interesting part wow. is that apparently the 12 pro is going to reduce in size. It's going to get even smaller. So it's either that they're going to bring in, I don't know what they're going to do there. That's, that's interesting that it's going to be instead of 5.8 inches, apparently it's going to go down to 5.7 or 5.6. And then the pro max will remain, will, will remain at 6.5. That's going to be interesting. And also, there's rumors that they're all going OLED, right? There's rumors that they're not, all going OLED. Not the OLED. 9 yeah. or whatever SE2 thing, but the other ones, right? But but apparently, these are not going to be the same OLEDs. Like, you know you know that oh, OnePlus yeah, 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 and yeah. you know oh, yeah. other companies that are using OLEDs, it's not the same OLED. So apparently, the Samsung panels are going to be used for the Pros. And then apparently, we're going to get LG OLEDs for the less expensive ones. Um, which I don't know if I want because <laughs> I'm, I'm the fans are going to have a field day on this one. <laughs> but but here's the thing, Miriam. I mean, if, I don't do care. you like your MacBook? If you if you went right now and you bought a thirteen a thirteen inch MacBook Pro with that P3 color gamut and everything, that's literally almost the same panel that you're getting on the eleven inch iPad Pro and twelve point nine, and it's the same panel that you get on the iPhone eleven. Same panel, so it's not a bad display. I love no. the display of my Mac to death. So people, it's not OLED, but it's not a bad screen. No, I'm sitting at a 27-inch iMac that's two years old. I got the 5K display. It's it's, it's gorgeous, right? And and so yeah. even my 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 MacBook 12-inch, which is five years old, has a ret has one of the better Retina displays on it of the time, and it still yeah. today looks absolutely gorgeous. So I I agree yeah. with you. I don't. I'm not going to worry about it being LG. I'm just saying the you know the fans like oh my god, it's an LG panel. I can't believe they did that. And I'm like LG makes great panels. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> LG makes the best panels right now. And if you want to buy the the irony is if you want to buy an OLED TV right now, LG is the company that's selling them. Exactly. Nobody else can touch LG for OLED. They're kind of killing it. Yeah. Yeah. Quantum Dot is okay, yeah. but I'm I'm going to go OLED all the way if I bought where to buy a TV right now. That's for sure. People have forgotten that Quantum Dot is also an LG innovation that other exactly. companies have made more know, benefit out I of. Know. It's so funny. <laughs> so what are the other rumors around these iPhones? I mean, this is a big package of rumors that I kind of think is true. Uh, yeah. There's rumors of them dropping lightning for no port in 2021 with the 13 iPhones, right? Yeah. Yes, but no. Apparently, just like we got the 10, where it was like a different iPhone, and then they also launched the Legacy 8 and 8 Plus, apparently we're going to continue with the Legacy models, and there will be a special model, like got the it. One More Thing unit. And that One More Thing unit is not going to bring any ports, apparently. Um, but gonna I, test I think it, that basically. Apple is just waiting until 2021. Well, but the thing about it is you have to remember, like, two things have to happen. One is battery life has to become amazing. And right now there's only one iPhone, well, two iPhones that provide amazing battery life, and it's the 10, and it's the 11 Pro Max or the, the 11. 11. The 11 yeah. the 11 Pro doesn't really have great battery See, life. there's another reason I should buy an 11, right, Jaime? Oh, yeah, no, no. <laughs> Are you kidding me? You the, got the, me the, going That's one there. of the major... <laughs> so, so a couple of things have to happen. The first thing is, obviously, battery optimizations, but those battery optimizations have to come in at, at the hand of the display. OLEDs are not necessarily as power efficient as they should be, and it's amazing how LCDs, which were not the most power efficient five years ago, are now the most power efficient. 
Um, and so that has to happen. And then also wireless charging has to get faster. Right now, I think that the fastest wireless charging is a proprietary technology from Xiaomi, which I believe is a 20... Somebody's got 30. Somebody's got 30, I can guarantee you. It's, I think it's Huawei. Let's Google it. <laughs> I know that Xiaomi launched it with the Mi 9. So Mi 9 has 30 watt. It's, it's Xiaomi. Huh. Who knew? Interesting. So I think it's coming out. I think we're going to see 40 watt very soon. I think it's, it's just a matter of time at this point, you know? But, but is it is the Xiaomi technology still proprietary? Because I, I, I actually have that wireless charging pad. They gave it to us with the Mi 9. I know. I have one as well. They, yeah, but it provides 15 watts to everything else. Of course. And nobody standardized anything. But look, the reality is this. I hate to say this, but even if, um, if Apple makes their own proprietary charger and can deliver, say, 40 watt. Honestly, even 40 watt is insane. Do they deliver even 30 watt on their wire, wired right now on Apple? I don't think so. The highest the iPhone no. uses was 25, yeah? 20 yeah 25 if if you use the adapter yeah so let's say they're working with uh chi or whatever wireless whoever that organization is to bump a standard up so that everyone can benefit which they could do or they could come up with their own thing and say you know like they did with uh lightning here's an entire ecosystem of wireless devices uh, from Belkin and whatever that we approved that use our new standard and it's backwards compatible with Qi yeah. for the old iPhones and it charges only this new iPhone 13 Mega Pro 9000, you know, whatever it's going to be called. <laughs> that sounds like a OnePlus name. Yeah, right? Oh my God. Yeah, yeah. That, that new 5G T-Mobile phone that I have in my pocket. Yeah, it's pretty freaking ridiculous. Um, but anyway, so that's kind of what I think is going to happen. I think that it's very likely we're going to see something in the 20 to 30 watt that'll let you do pretty quick wireless charging and then it'll be okay, you know? We'll see. I, I mean, the more they reduce the need of consumers, I mean, when was the last time we had true innovation in battery technology? Was it like 10 years ago? Yeah, about that. So come on, like it's about time that we do the graphene batteries and not have to worry about charging our products. So it's interesting because Huawei is already using graphene in their in their cells. They started that with the Mate 20 last year, Mate 20 Pro, I should be specific. They're using graphene to make thinner, lighter, higher capacity, like more cycles, more charging cycles batteries for their uh, May 20. Yeah, I wrote a story about that. You know, I sometimes do some ghostwriting for like sponsored content. And um, Huawei had me write this stuff about their battery tech for, I don't know, I think it ended up on Mashable or something. Um, Yeah, sometimes you're reading me and you don't even know it, listeners. (laughs) (laughs) The magic of sponsored content. Um, but yeah, so what is your general take? I mean, before we move on to Samsung, like what, what, like, are you excited about this? I'm kind of excited about the iPhone nine or SE two, because I said Theo is going to benefit. And there's a lot of people out there who don't want face ID still for whatever reason, you know, I can't believe the statement that I'm about to make, um, (laughs) controversial. I think my favorite phone for 2019 is the iPhone 11 pro. And I can't believe it. Like Wait, the last, if you Pro watch my 11. review, you just sold me on the eleven, honey. Well, I'm getting mixed messages. Well, be- <laughs> because you don't need. You, trust me, you don't need everything else. But if you right. want to, like, if you want to splurge, go for it. Yeah. Uh, but the uh, the eleven is good enough. When I did my review of the eleven Pro, what I said was, this is the hardest selling iPhone because there's really no point other than if you want the smaller size. 
the 11 has the per- has a purpose the 11 pro max has a purpose but then i'm like the one in the middle is is the hardest sell and yet this is the phone that i'm like the first time that i loved an iphone was the iphone 4 like that iphone was the one that sold me in the iphone concept because the videos that i have in 720p from that phone from my kids are still i could can i could compare those videos to any camera today and it'll give them a run for its money in a video quality perspective yeah i remember recording with the iphone 4 when i first got it and getting completely blown away by the quality it's not not just shocking. the resolution it's just amazing yeah. the color reproduction was so good and so that's the thing i'm like you know the last time apple was the first company to take video seriously because i'm a creator for me video is everything and so the 11 pro is like my b camera or the 11 i have both so i can pick whichever i mean that's why i'm thinking of trading in my 10 because it's almost in mint like i've never barely used it and and i bought it because yeah. i wanted to experience this yeah. id and the new interface and and I need a phone to do video. You know, my video, I need to up my video game. And right now, I think what's holding me back is not, you know, my editing could be better and stuff. And that can always be improved. But it's mostly like my capture is not that great because I'm using Android phones. And it's just, you know, unless I use maybe no. a Galaxy, which is half decent. But like the iPhone, I see what you guys are shooting with the iPhone. It's just so solid. Like, all it's around. so solid. The dynamic range is crazy. Like, listen, I've had cases where I'm like, when I'm ever, whenever I'm like in like really, you know, dark and like when I, whenever I need dynamic range, I will never use my, my camera. It takes too long for you to have to. So do, do you record with, with the built-in app and do, does it handle white balance? My biggest problem with, with uh, recording, especially unboxing videos, is that if I have a white phone or a phone with a white display, immediately my white balance changes, my hands turn yellow or red or whatever. And I want to peg the white balance when I start recording. Yeah, that, that's the only challenge. Like I would recommend well, iPhones. Filmic, for, right? Yeah. I, I haven't really tried it. Like, I only use the standard camera because I, I usually, whenever you use third-party applications, something is missing. Yeah. All right. I'm, I'm about to shoot myself right now. With what? Okay, so you, I just discovered that, for, that I had not noticed that Apple actually fixed the resolution and bitrate settings. You, so in the past, you would have to go into the camera settings. You would literally have to go into settings and then look for camera and then fix the 4K at 30, 4K at 60. And now the toggle is literally the indicator. So the indicator that's telling you that you're recording at 4K at 30, you just touch the 4K and it changes to HD. Or touch the 30 and it changes to 60 or 24. Oh my God. So, but you, you by by default, you can't peg the white balance. You you basically have you to can't. use Filmic or something, right? You can't, you can't. And sadly, that's one of the things where the moment, and this is one of the my criticisms where with how pro this thing is, you need pro controls, and and I think that Apple really needs to do that. You need pro controls, or at least you need to be able to shoot in log. If Apple would come up with some setting for log, and then I could just use a LUT, then I wouldn't have to worry about white balance or yeah, anything because yeah. you could just do it in post. Yeah, I know. I mean, I want something relatively simple for my workflow too. I don't want it to add more work to post. So that's yeah. kind of what I like. In the early days, like, so here's the funny thing. When they switched to the uh, Pixel 4 camera across yeah. all the pixels, they removed the white balance setting. There was a yeah. white balance setting that you could manually change in video recording. And yeah. I used to use it all the time. I would set my white balance and I would be like, okay, now, you know, it's going to look right during the whole video. And actually, ideally, I would love to set my, my EV as well, my exposure. Yeah. Because when I do unboxing videos, the light is very controlled. 
but yeah, it, that's that's one of the main reasons why. Even if you had white balance controls or or EV controls, what you really need is a control for ISO because if you just right. set your ISO to a specific number, the camera will manu- will automatically control exposure and everything as you move the black box around. True that. Uh, you know, and so that that's the reason why you know I just I don't agree that this phone is a pro. I wouldn't call it a pro just because it has an extra camera. Um, it, it's not there. Like when I did the comparison against the Note 10, I was like, "All right, listen, this is a true. This is a phone more for professionals that are, you know, if you, if you're a video creator like me, like I, I don't know if you've seen this video from John Morrison. Uh, he just posted I saw it. His, yeah. His, no, but did you see his Mac Pro video? Oh, not yet. I thought you were talking about the one we shot everything in 4K with a front camera, which yeah. is really incredible. No, yeah, that was great. But watch his video where he goes into a studio where, with famous produ- music producers. And it's hilarious when you see one of the most popular producers using his iPhone to do certain voice recordings, throw like beatboxing with the iPhone, then airdropping it to the Mac Pro, and then editing all that and turning that into part of the beat of a song that he actually published. I was so like, amazing. I was yeah. like, WTF, man? What the? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so, I mean, look, it's exciting. I, as a creator myself, slightly lesser than you because my podcast is obviously the main thing. I am looking forward to upgrading my video game a little bit. So I'm going to be switching to the iPhone. But I also do feel like, you know, uh, these news, this news about all these new phones coming up is pretty interesting. It's a big deal. So I, I'm, I'm kind of glad. Like, I feel like... Apple really has nailed it this year, and I hope they continue doing that. I mean, obviously, yeah. the camera systems, I don't know how much they can improve. They're so good right now. It's probably they're going to probably sit on that for a year or two. Uh, but this year was a big change for them, right? They really needed to up their game, and they certainly delivered. So, If, yeah. if Apple sits on its laurels one more year, you're going to have Google or Samsung killing them again. I don't think it's going to be Google. Google just is lost. I mean, I, I'm sorry, like, I love my Pixel 4, but it is it is so disappointing. Like, the fact that I still cannot... I don't love my Pixel 4. I, I cannot yeah. use my banking apps, Jaime. That's why I'm... I, so I've switched to the OnePlus 70 Pro 5G on T-Mobile because I'm a T-Mobile <laughs> customer and I have a review unit. I've switched to that as my main phone because I need a fingerprint reader. I want to enjoy 5G. And by the way, 5G here in the Bay Area is not in SF, but I was in Oakland last night in mm-hmm. Alameda specifically, and the 5G was glorious. Yeah. Um, and so I just want to say that, yes, we're not obviously not seeing millimeter wave kind of speeds on sub-6 low band at 600 megahertz, but man, yeah. we're seeing such an improvement in coverage instantly on T-Mobile. It's really quite a life changer for a lot of people it's gonna matter i i don't want to recommend this phone right now no. uh, for timo customers because there's more coming we know this from snapdragon summit right yeah but as soon as they come up with a newer version maybe a, the as uh, one plus eight or the the sam the galaxy s11 that's a perfect segue for the next thing <laughs> i think people on timo right now you should be very excited what's happening with 5G and you should consider buying a new phone in 2020, mid-year or so, that's going to be 5G. And here's the other thing I want to talk before we leave Apple real quick and we segue into Samsung. I have this hunch after our Snapdragon Summit experience that 
Apple's going to have 5G phones this year. Oh, so so apparently that's the reason why it could be. So the other set of rumors are that we're going to have SKUs that are going to support LTE, SKUs that are going to do 5G. So apparently you won't have a choice with the case of the pros. The pros will be 5G, 100%. And you know what? That makes perfect sense because after, first of all, now we know that Apple and Qualcomm are working together, number one. Yeah. Um, and after seeing the, you know, Look, I don't. I still think 5G is not quite ready yet in December 2019. But I think once MWC is over, and we've had a few new phone releases that are at affordable price points, and even flagships with all three bands of 5G, um, you know, millimeter wave, mid band, and low band, and we have choices. I think it's going to be probably viable on some networks, potentially, especially if Sprint, the Sprint merger goes through. On T-Mobile, definitely it's going to be worth it because right now low band alone solves a huge coverage issue that T-Mobile had. Yeah. That's the reality. And then uh, I don't know about AT&T and Verizon because they're really focused on millimeter and I don't think millimeter. Millimeter is just a drop in the bucket. It's going to be the best case scenario when you're in an airport or a stadium or like downtown New York City or something, you know? I, I think millimeter wave is going to be, because of the line of sight necessity, it's going to be a home thing where you're going to have something that's going to, like Fios, you know, where it like it right. directs so to your internet. home. But I don't think that phones are going to be able to take full advantage of millimeter wave. It, for, just from a physics perspective, the amount of antennas that you need and just you're moving around, you can cover millimeter wave with your hand. I don't think it was really designed for that, or at least not in phase one. And uh, so here's the thing. Like, I like the fact that T-Mobile is doing this. Right now, they fix their, their low band issues. They, well, no, they, they bring low band with, this, with the 600 megahertz. The moment they integrate Sprint, they get the mid band. And so right, we're, we're, like, that's it. Like, literally, T-Mobile's merger actually makes a lot, of, a lot of common sense. Yeah, I mean, I was in a Thai restaurant last night in Alameda. I had 5G on the on the uh, the OnePlus, and I was it was two bars, like the lowest, almost the lowest bar was a 5G. And my next to it, my Pixel had no bars, no service. And I was I did a speed test, and I was still getting three up and ten down, and with one bar. And that solved yeah. my problem right there. That's that's the problem that T-Mobile has everywhere. That you you drop four G sometimes, and this will solve this problem. And I think for that alone, kudos to them for being really the first to to give us a taste of what five G is. But not you know, I love that they're not going for a speed that you're just going for coverage, especially because their network needs it. You know. Yeah, we they, they just need to work on, you know, like right now, consumers, I think the consumers are most skeptic about 5G because we're telling them, yeah, you're going to be able to download a full Netflix movie in minutes. And then people are like, yeah, how much am I going to pay for that? Because carriers with their current data system, they, like I think that carriers are the ones that are scaring people away from adopting 5G because like consumers don't know how the pricing is going to be. Well, it's the same price on Tmall right now, so. Yeah, but the problem is, what hap- are you going to get throttled is the question? Is that going to happen? Well, I think the network's designed for that not to happen. That's the whole point, Jaime, right? No, that's the no, whole point of no. 5G, so, right? so, no, but that's the problem. The problem is that, here's the thing, that's what we think. T-Mobile has not been specific. No carrier has been specific I as agree. to how 5G is going to be priced. And but therefore, theoretically, no- we should mm-hmm. get at least, you know, on T-Mobile, I'm pretty sure they're not going to raise the price. But I wouldn't be surprised if they surprise us and let us actually... 
download a lot more data just because the network lets you do it and because they're yeah, trying to disrupt the market. At least they initially. Need, they need to be clear about it. They just need yeah. to say, hey, listen, this is going to be like broadband where we're going to cap you depending on tiers of speed, depending on how much you pay. And that way you don't have to worry about your data cap and it's going to be unlimited. If they don't do that, people are not going to care. Although, to be honest with you, Jaime, this is a this matters more for the higher speeds because if you're on 600 megahertz, you're only getting 20% more speed than LTE anyway. Right? Yeah, but the problem is... So now is, if you get better coverage, that's all you really want and need, right? Yes, but again, are you going to be a, a, a data consumer? Like, would you care about that extra speed if you don't know how much you're going to pay for it? That's the, right. that's the challenge. Yeah. We, need, we need some clear numbers and prices and rules. I agree with you. Because I mean, every time that I land here in Honduras and I know that I'm, I'm, a, I'm like, data, it's hilarious. Data in Honduras is insanely fast. It is really, really fast, but it's very expensive. Yeah. And so like, even if I, even if I, like I, today I did one of my Peloton classes from the gym remotely and I literally ate up 1.8 gigs in four, in my 45 minute class. And that was the the amount of gigs that I had for the week, wow. and so I was like, "crap!" And so now Wait, I your Peloton is in Honduras. I thought that was in no, New York. no. So, so I had it, I have it in the New York apartment, but you can use you can stream the classes. Oh, you can borrow another bike, yeah. right? Okay, yeah, you, you, you could stream the classes and use another bike. And so, but here's the thing: I ate up a 1.8 gigs, and so <laughs> guess guess what's get guess what's in my mindset now? My mindset is like crap because I had pre-downloaded the class, and then something went wrong, and I don't know what what else and and out of the blue boom it just ate my data and so if consumers are going to approach 5g with that mentality they just won't care right all i'm saying though is that i'm very impressed with what timo is bringing to the table right now yeah i'm super stoked i i'm most like i went into you know snapdragon summit very jaded about 5g like we all are and then i tried it out and i was still a little jaded because this maui it's very i figured it's a pretty controlled environment but then i landed in portland and it worked in places it didn't work with LTE for me. It wasn't super fast, but it was working. And then yeah. I, you know, here in the Bay Area, I'm discovering those pockets of 5G. And I'm like, holy crap, they, they really, they actually really did roll out 5G in the entire freaking country. Those bastards. Like, it's real. And yes, this phone is not the one to get right now because better phones will be out in six months, three months, whatever. But this yeah. is a big deal for Timo customers. Once we understand the terms a little better, I think it's going to be worth it for a lot of people. I hope so, because in the end, right now, you have products like Stadia. You have right. products <laughs> like Fortnite. You know, right now, Fortnite yeah. is, a, is a success. Stadia is a, is a complete dumpster fire. Right. And yet, one of the biggest challenges is how can you make all these products mobile and take advantage of that $7 billion industry if consumers are worried about their data plan because of how much, about yeah. because of how much, you know, there, there's, there's consumption in data over a game, for example. No, not, not, let's not even mention like movies or stuff like that. People just won't care. It's hilarious how many people, you know, one of the things that I've learned so much with participating with Qualcomm that I, I like a lot of consumers don't know. It's funny how people hold on to their phones for four years, three years, and they have no clue how much LTE categories have changed in four years. They right. have no idea how much faster the late the newer phones are. 
even if they don't have 5G. So imagine that level of misinformation that currently exists in LTE. People that are still holding on to an iPhone SE or to an iPhone, like I saw somebody with an iPhone 5S yesterday. Because, because they don't know. For them, it's it's either if the for them it's either if the operating system is fast or not, or if the battery lasts or not. But they don't know that their phone is not capable of taking advantage of of the new LTE Cat 20 or whatever that's been out for a year or two years, and their phones are what stuck in LTE Cat what Cat 5. Cut zero. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> I, don't I don't think it was categorized back then. I don't think it was categorized back then. Uh, anyway, yeah, look, I think I think it's going to be interesting. Um, we should move on to Samsung because we get still a bunch of stuff to talk about. But I agree with you. I think this, I'm, I'm stoked. I think, honestly, look, between MediaTek's announcement of the Dimensity 1000 chip and Qualcomm's announcement of the 765, uh, 75G, particularly the, the 865 is flagship, I don't care too much. I mean, I think it's great, but I, I, I don't think that's going to be the bread and butter. It's, it's not going to be the disruptor. And I think between and adding to that, the Apple Qualcomm agreement, I think we're going to see some serious, serious, like I think people, if people think 5G is not coming next year, they are sadly, sadly mistaken. It is oh, yeah. real. It is happening. Hard effing core next year. I'm calling it now. We're going to see it everywhere. And it's not going to be in the US just. It's going to be everywhere. We're going to see it because in China, because in Europe, like these chipsets are going to facilitate yeah. networks to go into 5G and it might not necessarily be the fastest 5G but it's going to give us more capacity more coverage yeah. and potentially more bills yeah. <laughs> so as Jaime <laughs> said but but the reality is like, you know are you willing to pay for that I, I think some people are and I mean I'm happy that Timo doesn't charge me more right now but but they have a very interesting pricing structure they've always had I've had unlimited data with them that it really isn't I mean, I've never felt the throttling because I've never gone that high up, but it's very, very reasonable. Like it's very livable is what I'm saying, you know? Yeah. So hopefully they're going to continue doing something like that. Um, so galaxies, what what are you, like there's all these rumors, S11 rumors, like it's been a series of them for a week now. And then of course the Fold 2 rumors, which basically looks like a Razer phone. What's your take on all that madness? Well, Fold 2 is, is uh, it's funny. Inevitable? <laughs> well, it's, it's not just right? that it's inevitable. I think that Samsung just realized that the the Razer stole their thunder. The Razer has gotten significantly more pu positive publicity than the Fold. And that's yeah. just the way it is. The Fold, you know, in my review of the Fold, I was like, listen, this is a great tablet, but it's not a great phone. And in the end, how many consumers do you know are, like, if anything, if, if the tablet market were so successful right now, so crazy in sales, then you'd assume that people want a tablet in their pockets. But the fact of the matter is people really like their phones. And if you can make them like them even more and turn it, like, I think that this is like the, what the virtue phone should have always been, or all these, like, you know, fancy phones out Bling there. Bling phones, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that the well, Razer is going to be it. And Samsung nailed it because they had something like that before the Razer. Not not a folding display, yeah. but remember the W series phones yeah, in yeah. China, and, and right? They, in Japan, yeah, they sell them super crazy bling, expensive, like gold, crazy like two thousand dollar phones. Exactly, yeah. they know they know. And people buy them, and so the rumors are that there's going to be a fold too. It's not going, but the, the thing about it is the there's are polarizing rumors. Some people claim that it's not going to be very powerful. Others are, and I trust the sources that claim that it's going to be like a powerhouse that it's that we're actually going to get a lot of power on this thing that it might even also bring 5g 
Um, I it's think it's inevitable that's, they'll bring 5G after our conversation. It's it, it's inevitable, and here's the here's the thing. A lot of people, so Moto is experimenting with the Razer, and I think that they're experimenting, and they're erring in the size of, in the side of caution. And all the mistakes that they've made with that design, I actually like. I would like Miriam. I would be willing to pay $1,500 for that phone. Me too. That phone is insane. I would. It is so good. Like, I went to the LA event, the actual pre-brief, and I was blown away. I was blown away. Like, you know, Hayato and I did an episode, two, three episodes ago about it. And it's just, it's really impressive technically, okay? That's all I have to say. Technically, it is so well done. And therefore, like, I don't need a foldable, but I really want one. Like that one, I, w- I really want that phone because it's just beautiful. It's nano-coated. I don't have to worry. And these are the challenges that, that Samsung has with the Fold 2. The fact that they have no experience with nano-coating a product, and you can't really make a folding product water-resistant yet. And so, because you need the hinges. You need all this yep. all this technology. And Motorola's been nano-coating phones since the Atrix. Forever. I know, since, right? since the Atrix, like, like oh since God, 2014, I think. No, 2013. Like the Atrix they, is before that. It's isn't it like it's before the, because that's my time I didn't gadget. Is 11 or 12, my friend? It's I would say 11. Yeah, somewhere around there. You know, it's ever since they started experimenting with Kevlar and stuff like that. And so it's 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 one of those things where I feel that. Uh, uh, Samsung really needs to up the ante if they want to own that foldable market because yeah. brand brand recognition right now Moto has proven that regardless of how much they've screwed up over the past couple of years all they needed was a killer product and people would go mad for it all they needed was a razor <laughs> like like all the videos of that launch the most horrible lighting in history were uh-huh. trending like they I I, like they, they were trending like these guys can't even believe how successful this has been and they haven't even launched the damn thing Thing. So yeah, yeah. That, those are the rumors of the full two. I hope that uh, I do hope that they go all out in specs and camera because that's literally what the razor gets wrong. Um, but yeah. I, I have a feeling that Moto's air in the case of the processor is a good move because in the end you want that thing to be a communicator. This is literally the new BlackBerry. But they should have done 730. The 730 is a more efficient chip and it's almost pin compatible. Like yeah, I don't but understand you, you why. have you have to remember how old this project yeah, is. Yeah, it's, it's two years two, old. two and a half years. And so that's literally what it took to build the first iPhone. And so if you remember, by the time the first iPhone was ready, 3G was out, but the iPhone was already that's right. the two years in the process and already. And that camera, oh my God, that shitty two megapixel. <laughs> yeah, but what? here's the thing. Uh, you, you would say it's shitty. What kind of cameras did we have on HTC phones back then? They were well, trash. Well, I don't as care well. about that because I was using a five megapixel autofocus Nokia camera, and it was killer. Which <laughs> I mean, is, yeah, the, those were the times of Nokia. But but the thing about it is, I think that Moto is playing playing a good game right now. Yeah, and absolutely. I, I want I, I think want it's their fine. I want their Gen One to be successful because their Gen Two is going to be better. And yeah, so, if their Gen Two can have a Snapdragon six, uh, sorry, seven sixty five G in it with five G. Like, it doesn't have to have millimeter. It can just have, like, low band, yeah, mid band. Low band. Woohoo! It's going to be great. Here's the thing, though. Probably one of the most interesting rumors is that, that that W series from Samsung has never been inexpensive. And the rumors are that whatever Fold 2 we're getting is going to cost 900 bucks, which I don't believe. That came from the other sources. I don't believe that thing's going to be no. 900 bucks. If no. they launch that thing for 900 bucks and they underspec it just to keep the price down, in the end, to a certain degree, Miriam, the only way you can... It's the reason why the 765 series is so important. 
the high end of the market is never the one that drives adoption. What drives the market is the mid, the high, the mid to high market, the premium mid range, should you call it, which is where that seven series falls and the new media tech chip falls. And so in the end, if they want crazy adoption, they're going to need to play in that price range. If they do, that's going to be the boldest move I've ever seen from Samsung, but I doubt it. But you know, I think there's another thing, another trend we should talk about. I'm seeing a trend here, and I don't know if, we, if you agree or not. I'm seeing the trend, if you look at Chinese phones, as I defined them earlier in the show with, with quotes, right? Chinese phones, the unattainable unicorns we can't get that are so cheap and so awesome, but don't have Google stuff. Those phones are, a lot of them are packing 730, 730G yeah. right now. Yeah, Oppo, Oppo is the king of Which you do not see. You do not see that on any like Western phone. Like very few European and US bound phones have the 730. They all have 855, right? I'm calling it that next year, the 765 and 765G are going to be freaking everywhere. Yeah, no. If, if and you the s- 865 is going to be like the holy grail. It's going to be like, oh, I got a, fla- a real, real flagship. It's got the 865 in it. You know what I'm saying? It's going to be like that next year. It's not going to be what you expect. It, it's interesting, but I've, been, you know, Oppo started something really interesting. And I think Oppo was the first company to create a premium mid ranger with their R series back in Absolutely, 2015. Yeah. Yeah. Was it 15? Yeah, that sounds that was about the, right. Because the, 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 the was R17 first... was 2019. So that's yeah. 18. So the 17 was 18. The 15 would have been 16. Yeah. No. So yeah. But back then they were still playing with like jumps and two digits for their name. So that phone was the R3. It was the thinnest phone. It was the first phone to not bring oh, a headphone yeah. jack back in the yeah, day. Yeah. Yeah. I remember I, that. I still have that phone actually. Oh my God. I still have that phone actually. And that was the first ever premium mid-ranger. And it's hilarious because if you remember, they also launched the N-series beside it. That one mm-hmm. had the full-blown specs and everything. And yet the most popular phone was their premium mid-ranger because it was affordable enough and it had, you know, enough pack. And, and it, it the battery life was insane. The screen was OLED. It, it was actually a really good phone. Oppo is the first company to disrupt when it comes to, to premium mid-rangers. And... The 7 Series, and it was one of the things that I said in our podcast last week, I'm more excited over that 765 because I want 5G to be adopted like exactly. like, like hotcakes. And yep. that that is the price range that's going to achieve it. You know, I mean, Apple has been doing it for years. Come on. They don't use the be- you know the latest and greatest specs. And yet, they're able to disrupt the market because, you know, obviously they make the profits. They keep churning in these phones. But they play with their design and they play with their services and so much. And they just play with their brand loyalty. In the end right now, no, very few companies are making money. Very few companies in the smartphone f- space are making money. The only ones that are very successful are the ones that are succeeding in that premium mid-range to mid-range market. And it's Oppo, Huawei, um, and it's that's pretty well. It's Samsung as well. Every other company that's experimenting with only flagship products is not doing well. And so yeah. l- look at Moto. Look at Moto finally no, reach profitability with mid-rangers. That's Look, the secret. I, the thing is, I don't think the U.S. is on board, though. I think that that because people walk into a carrier store right now and buy their phone subsidized, and, and you know that they don't care how much a subsidy is. Like if it's five dollars more a month, it's like oh, it's an espresso more a month, right? Like you know, it's it's like they don't care. So they just want the best of the best. And so I think the U.S. is a bit of a separate market. I think that might change this year, though. And I'm hoping it does. It has to change because in the United States, there's only the flagship and the low end. There is very little phones that are in the mid-range. But what is the incentive if I walk into a Verizon store in July 2020 
and I have choices of 5G phones, and there are a bunch of mid-rangers there, uh, including maybe a, a couple of OnePluses. And all of a sudden, and, and I'm like, like the, the salespeople are pushing me on an iPhone or on a Samsung phone. Well, that are going to be flagships. They're going to yeah, be thousand dollar phones. But see, here's the thing. I, I how love do, how, how you break that, right? How I, do you I, break that? It's very difficult because of the the price model that works in the United States. I think that David Kogut explained it so well. When the iPhone 10 launched, and then you had the iPhone 8, and there was a four hundred dollar difference, and Kogan's response was, "There's only six dollars a month difference." Correct. Six dollars a month. That's why I don't see anybody buying those seven sixty five G five G mid range phones in the U S. at least. But I think no. the rest of the world. Absolutely, it's going to no. be a revolution. Right. We're going to see Europe is going to go nuts on these, and we're already seeing it. Like, um, you know, I have an Oppo Reno two. It's amazing. Honestly, that phone for the money is great. Um, yeah. You know, I have a K twenty uh, from Redmi, not oh, the yeah. Pro, so I not the A fifty five. I've got the seven thirty, and yeah. it's just great as well. So I have a bunch of these. Um, let's finish quickly on Samsung's S11 rumors and then jump to Oppo because obviously we clearly want to talk. Oh about my it. God! So in the case of uh, in the case of the S11, where do you want me to start? I mean, I mean, let's <laughs> quickly so, like. Do you want to quickly so like many bullet rumors. points what the rumors are? Because I don't really want to get into that too much well, because we're going to be talking about that very soon at MWC. They, anyway, they can't decide over the amount of cameras. There's just so many rumors. The design looks horrible, but I'm like, listen, the iPhone 11 Pro and 11. Terrible in the leaked, uh, you know, and when then you they were good. The, yeah. the, the, the dummies, <laughs> and then they were actually good. Apparently, one phone was caught in the wild, and it seems that it doesn't look as bad. The camera module looks horrible, uh, but again, like this a is big t- rectangle, right? Yeah, Basically. yeah, but it's kind of early. Uh, here's the thing there are rumors that this is going to, like, that the Note 10 Plus was the end of a series, that it's going to be the end of variable aperture, the end of the 12 megapixel camera. Samsung really needs to step up their game. They really innovated yeah. with the S6, and then they just played a Google. They've been really stagnant when it comes to camera quality. And in the end, these are the things that actually matter. And so I think it's going to be rather interesting for Samsung to, you know, gain back their limelight with camera innovation. Because in the end, what other differences are they bringing to the Galaxy lineup? Like, what what other changes? I mean, they're they're always bringing the best OLEDs. Uh, they're, you know, they're they, but they just need to step it up with their camera and they need to step it up with their software. I, I don't know if you've ever have you been using like the Note yeah, I've lately? got a I've got a ten plus I just put in my pocket because I hadn't been using it much and I had it for months. Um, and yeah, I I mean, I'm not a big fan of of Samsung phones. <laughs> Neither. <laughs> That's the reality of it. Neither. And so they they really need to step it up. And I I guess that's the main reason why they're pushing so much with the whole concept of the fold and they fumbled. They're going to need to figure it out because right now in the flat slabs, they're they're not like the iPhone is like really hitting them hard. Huawei was hitting them hard up until a couple of months ago. Uh, (laughs) I don't know if you heard. I have to say, though, that I do love the industrial design of the Note 10. Oh my God. And not just that, you just put an S10 Plus in your hand. Do yourself a favor, hold that S10 Plus. Okay, yeah, hold that S10 Plus and compare it to that OnePlus 7 Pro 5G, whatever that you have. Oh, yeah, yeah. How light is that phone? Like that S10 Plus is, is, it's just a polarizing design because it's not, it doesn't feel or look as heavy. It doesn't feel substantial, yeah. Yeah, and it's one of the things, one of the reasons why I prefer it over the Note 10 Plus, but still. I I'm not really impressed by the rumors. Point being, I, I mean, 108 megapixel. Of course, they're gonna do that. 
Uh, I mean, it's their flagship camera. They developed it with, uh, was yeah. it with Xiaomi? They have to right? do it, but apparently it's not just going to be... It's not just going to be the whole concept of what they can do for pixel binning. There are rumors that they're going to add additional elements to that camera that Xiaomi did not bring. Now, what are the elements we don't know? Because they were talking about depth and certain things, and I'm like... Focal, focus pixels, maybe? I don't know. Because there are other rumors that say they're going to use focal focus pixels in addition to laser autofocus and make a play with both. Weird weird <laughs> the problem with laser autofocus is this is if you shoot video with a phone instantly yeah. if you're shooting anything reflective you've got a red dot in your video yeah yeah and that sucks because you know it's reflecting the laser right yeah uh, because the lasers are infrared and the sensors are sensitive to infrared and so we don't see it at the naked eye but the sensor catches it so uh, anyway look i i don't care so much about the sc rumors i just Obviously, there are rumors. It's that time of year. I mean, MWC is like a month and a half away at this point, maybe a little more than that, two months away, but it's soon. And usually that's when Samsung launches the S series. So we're going to be seeing something and it better be good. And I'd better be good in terms of imaging because Apple certainly like just, you know, bullied everybody around this year, didn't they? Oh yeah, I, and I think yeah. that Apple deserves their success this year. They just oh yeah, do. they they listen to their customers. Oh, <laughs> even with the sixteen, the MacBook Pro sixteen, like whoa, that, that's been the theme. Where it's like, wait a second, is it true that Apple is actually listening <laughs> to their consumers now? Look what happens, Google, when you listen to your customers. Hey, oh my god, oh, I'm so mad right now. Really? I'm so mad that I can't use. A, I mean, look, no. I'm mad about the decisions they made for the Pixel 4. I've gone over this many times on the show now, but it's mostly the fact that here I am now, two months after having this phone in my pocket, and I still can't use any of my banking apps. And that's why I'm switching to the OnePlus. I cannot continue using this phone. It is not a practical phone for me. I measured it. I tried or I used my fingerprint reader on my old Pixel 3 XL, which is still my daily, 126 times that week Wow. for various apps. Wow. And so you're going to say, well, I could put my banking apps in one pass or whatever, some password manager. And I don't want to do that because they're my banking apps. Yeah. That's how it's I It's that lack of convenience where you, you know, you it's feel, a lack you, of convenience. You, you yeah. feel like if you're in the, you feel like if you're in the dark ages and it's it not, just, not that. just the set. It's not just the banking. Like if I want to change the settings on my Tesla app, I need the fingerprint. Right. And, and have you noticed, have you noticed that if you travel, then a lot of those features get switched off? <laughs> exactly. That's the other thing. I mean, look, I love the camera. I love what they've done. It's I a good don't. camera, but it's missing. It's missing that ultra wide. And I actually am pretty impressed with the zoom on that. I, have I to don't. Say. The, the Miriam, did you, you, don't? No? did you try the, the, oh, you did in front of me. You noticed. I was right the, next to you. Yeah. You noticed the differences in the zooming technology. But that you, was good light. That was good light. Okay. Like the stage had good lighting. Ah, uh, it's not great. It's it's no. Ultimately, it's a miss. the The Pixel Four is just it's just the fact that I'm switching away from it for the first time after using Nexus and Pixels for a decade yeah. tells you something, right? Yeah. And and so anyway, um. All right, let's talk about the Pixel really quickly. There is a quick news update about the Pixel that apparently is now going to receive updates of features, mm-hmm. like a bunch of features lumped together quarterly as a drop, what they call it. 
Yeah, but they didn't. They didn't specify like what. They didn't specify what it means. Like, right? okay, you're getting drops of what? Like, they, so they're apparently we're gonna be getting droppings like, is what they're getting. Honey. Yeah, apparently we're we're <laughs> getting like new major feature packages that are gonna arrive, yeah. like Windows XP Service Pack Two or Service Pack Three. I guess is the best way to put it. If you remember that, you do. But oh, the rest, the, the rest of the listeners, uh, thing about it is. They don't specify like what features exactly. Is there anything to look forward to? I, I like it. I, I like like for example, you know, these I think that these are things that should have always happened. Like for example, right now that Qualcomm's gonna be able to send like graphics GPU drivers over the Google Play Store. That's like major. That's yeah. awesome. And so it's yeah. great for Google to actually use their whole software prowess to be able to bring major updates. I just I wanna know what can they fix? Uh, you know. Well, they can't add the hardware that's missing, and that's what's pissing me off. It's exactly. like it's like you have no ultra wide. I'm still butthurt about that. You you know, solely radar is useless. The fact that you have a different API for your face identification versus a fingerprint, like Apple showed you how to do it, couldn't you do it right, Google? Like, how the hell do you mess that up? They made a seamless transition from fingerprint to face ID. No apps didn't work. And it's not because Apple developers had a head start. It was a completely backwards compatible API, you boneheaded fools. You know, I asked myself a question. Like, certain when companies make mistakes like these, I'm like, did you guys test your phone? Well, like, do you? They don't, because do everybody at Google has an iPhone. <laughs> yeah. I hate to tell you, but if you go to Google Campus, it's MacBook Pro and iPhone Yeah, Central. you don't see people with Chromebooks. And, you know, they've tried because the Pixel Book and the, the original non-Go and the even the Go, I would argue, is, is a very nice laptop. And, and the of course, the original Pixel Chromebooks were great, but very few people actually use them there. And it's just like they just don't seem to dog food their own yeah, stuff. I think that Google doesn't. I, I don't think that Android, I don't think Google employees use Android at all. I think they hate it. You know what Google needs to do? Google needs to spin off the Pixel. They need to make an own. They may need to make a separate company from it, and th therefore they would take like if 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 this would have its own separate bottom line, and they actually had to be a successful company. I think that that's the only way they take it seriously because they just don't. I don't think Google takes a lot of their what this, they do seriously. Like they they have a core business which is add revenue, okay, and and that's it. Like the rest is just accessory to them, and they don't commit to anything. Remember how they killed the newsfeed reader? They killed oh, yeah. like they they just kill stuff randomly. It's like people get mad about that, and and they don't even care. It's like. Sometimes you got to remember, Google, that you're affecting people in a major, major way. And now the Pixel is not a big deal because very few people in the great scheme of things are using the Pixel. Yeah. But like, what, what did it cost you to not do this phone right? Like, you have so many examples around you, OnePlus, others, and you can't do a phone right. Anyway, forget it. This drop thing is interesting insofar that if you have like a Google Pixel 3a, for example, you might get some of the Pixel 4 features all bundled together um, soon, which is great. I mean, the recorder app is finally available for Pixel 3, 3XL, and 3A, 3AXL. Oh, really? And actually, yes, and I've downloaded it, and it works like charm. And I would like to say that I'm most excited, let's be positive for a second about Google and the Pixel line, I'm most excited to see what's happening with the 4A next year, if there is a 4A, you yeah. know? We'll see. At this point, the 3A was great. Eh. So, it, not it, 
not cheap enough in my opinion not pretty cheap great. enough in my opinion but yeah it was, i mean it, nothing it was in the phone. u.s is cheap enough like seriously like when you see that like phones like the yeah redmi k30 that they just announced for 280 dollars with 128 refresh screen and uh snapdragon 765g oh like that, that 280 bucks okay we're going to talk about that in a second let's quickly talk about oneplus and the eight light rumors because that's kind of interesting to me remember the oneplus x of course I did. I had one. Did, did, did you get the ceramic version? I did both. Yeah, I got both. I got the white one and the black ceramic one. Oh, my God. Yeah, those were the days. And yet OnePlus said that they were never going to do it again. It was sexy, though, right? It was sexy, but they were like, yeah, no, that didn't really work well It, it totally us. flopped. Like, it totally flopped. I, and I don't understand why it flopped is the question. I, I think it's because it looked really nice, but I think it was too pricey for the specs. I think it was ahead of its time. Like the OnePlus audience was really set on specs. They did looks, right? They didn't focus on specs. Like it, it didn't have a fingerprint reader, which was crazy because the OnePlus 2 at the time had a fingerprint reader. Yeah. So people were losing their minds, you know? They're like, well, how did you not, why did you not future-proof this phone? You're OnePlus. I think that OnePlus just did not have enough brand, brand equity at the time. Equity. And now they do. I think an 8 Lite would totally work. Uh, I don't know. I'm I'm really happy with the 7T. I'm not really happy with the 7T Pro. I agree with you. Unless you have the 5G version on T-Mobile for this month only because next year it'll be better. Something better will come along. Right. I'm, I really <laughs> love... So I, I get the perspective. Like, they, they experimented with the 7 Pro. They priced it really high, in my opinion. Um, and so they came up with the 7T and were like, you know what, why don't we just kill all this pizzazz and let's go for for like the essentials. And so no more curved display. Uh, it's it's actually lighter to hold. It's got a good enough camera, quote unquote. Um, yeah. and I so, just think, honestly, for me, I think the OnePlus 7T is my phone of the year 2019. That's not for me, sadly. I iPhone for you? iPhone 11? So No, for me, it's the iPhone 11 or 11 Pro. Uh, but honestly, in the case of the 7T, it's like if you, if you try to take a photo of like, at at golden hour, you try. Yeah, to- it's terrible. Yeah, no, I, I'll, I look. The problem with the seven T, and this is the the only big thing that completely effed up in my opinion, is the lack of OIS on the telephoto. Like, what? Seriously, the telephoto on the seven T Pro is so much better. Yeah, and they brought that macro mode, which I find to be really cool. But it's just there. But they're- the macro mode exists on the seven T Pro as well. So uh, on the 7T Pro, yes. But what I'm saying is there are just so many other elements that are missing. Like uh, particularly when it comes to photography, they just can't figure it out. And yet they give me a donut the size of my pickup truck. Uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's one of those things where it's like, you know, that companies do this to cut corners when it comes to, you know, the cost of manufacturing. The more you miniaturize the parts, the, the more expensive it is to manufacture them, the better machinery you need. And therefore you need, you come up with these like huge camera hubs. Like you see that, you see that in the Honor lineup, like the Honor 20 Pro has a camera hub that's the, probably the size of a 737. And yeah. so, you know, it's, 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 it's you get to see those design choices and you you you're like can it can it at least be worth it and it's not um like i've had photos right i take them at golden hour and if they're like plants moving oh my god the phone fumbles so much with dynamic range that whatever plants were moving during the shot will literally cast this like horrible shadow all around 
Um, but you know, it's a software issue because that sensor, IMX586, 48 megapixel sensor with a decent lens and OIS, that, that sensor should work great in that condition. Yes, but if you, if you look into the IMX lineup, that's like the mid-tier of the sensors that are available with that amount of megapixels. Huawei using the most expensive one on their, on their P-series. So yes. so it's it's one of the, I get it. But what I, I'm saying is the 586 is on everything and it's like on a Reno phone, it's awesome. So, like, my point is it can be done right, you it know? It can be done right, but OnePlus, they, they, like, I love their, I love Oxygen OS. I love the feel of the phone. If I could just shave off that camera hump, which is horrendously annoying. And, it just doesn't bother me, honestly. Oh, it <laughs> does. It does for me. Um, that part, and then they just, like, they, if, if, they're, if you're going to tell me that your camera is, like, listen, because of the price tag, I don't mind. But if you tell me that your camera is amazing, just show me that it is you know it's 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 that's the part and then, so if we if we remove the iphone from the equation for a second what is your favorite phone of 2019 then android oh my god that's a tough be, one right no I, I call it the note 10 plus okay for me it's a toss between that and believe it or not the oppo reno 2 yeah Oppo, like I tried, I tried the Oppo Reno, the 10x zoom, and it yeah, was... but the two is is the two is different. It's got four cameras in the back. Yeah, it's got a dedicated macro. I don't know. I, I was really surprised by that phone. Um, I can't really recommend it because it's like, how can you buy that unless you buy a gray market, etc. Right? I mean, it works on Google, no problem. It, it works. Right? It's just their, you know, Oppo's persistence on Color OS is what's like. Oh God, Color OS. Uh, oh my God. It's getting better. It is. It's just. Uh, so, so do you think we're going to see this OnePlus 8 Lite? Like, I, I think we are because OnePlus is growing up quickly and they want to diversify, I right? I don't know if it's a good idea. I would, I would rather them figure out their OnePlus 8 and, like, make yes. a really killer OnePlus 8, man, and then you give me the mid-ranger. Right, right. Well, I think, I, I think to me the, uh, the 8 Lite would be more like a $280 phone in China. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're talking a price tier that's competing with the K30 and with like those Oppo Reno phones, right? So, yeah. I mean, remember, same company, right? BBK is on top of all of this Oppo, Vivo, OnePlus madness. Really? There's a lot of technology sharing between these companies, right? Oh, yeah. So, um, and then Xiaomi, of course, is a big driver of price. Um, so yeah, anyway, speaking of, let's not worry about the Xiaomi phones that I've listed in the thing because they're really basically- Announcements. One takeaway, which is announcements at, Snapdragon Summit last week that some Xiaomi phones are going to have those new chips. And that's a no-brainer. But I want to talk about Oppo real quick because they had an innovation summit in Shenzhen. Some of our friends were invited. I wasn't. But they basically showed, again, an under-display camera, yeah. which is a selfie camera, which is interesting. But more importantly, they finally launched the Reno 3 line. Yeah. Which I think is also really interesting, other than ColorOS, as you said. Well, Oof. but here's the thing. They, they launched, quote-unquote, because we didn't really get a launch. We just got a teaser. That was pretty much it. You're right. You're right. But we know more about it now, right? Not really. Like, other than other than the teaser and, uh, like, for me, the, the there are two takeaways from this event. The first one is that under-display camera, just because of how they figured it out, like, you switch pixels off and then it takes the photo. Of I think course that, you switch think, pixels off. I, I mean, we knew that genius. six I, months ago, that you can't have the pixels on while you take the photo. I, I think that's genius. Uh, it looks horrible with that, like, cutout. It looks like Minecraft, but I don't care. I think it's a great idea. <laughs> But I, but I think that the question is, what phone is going to bring that? And so 
the other rumors that we got literally like at night after you had sent me this rundown is that Oppo Find X2. And that's right, the Find X2. And I think that that's going to be the thing because it's like a full screen design, better cameras, faster charging, like even faster. Like I, I love the Oppo Find line because even if you have to put up with ColorOS, oh my God, like in 2018, my that favorite, phone, my favorite design, that Oppo Find X was like, my God, just you're so, so sweet. I'm like, but you I, know, this is not going to have that crazy mechanism anymore because it's going to have the under display camera. And, right? I, and I love it for that because now I'm not going to have to put up with no water resistance. And if you remember uh, that mechanism is yes. literally what made that phone prone to be able to be bent. Like, I think that that was like the Ferrari of designs. And and so many designs came after it that literally mimicked it to the dot. The Mate, the Mate 20 Pro from Huawei was a literal copy. Like 100% of, like if you held both phones side by side, from the front they look freaking identical unless you switch that Mate 20 Pro's display on. Like yeah. the, the design was inspirational. It was gorgeous. It was simplistic. I loved it. And I cannot wait for that Find X2 or whatever they're going to call that thing. Find 12, yeah. whatever. Find 12, is that what it is? I'll I don't know. They're saying Find X2, uh, I don't know. It's uh, Faster charging, that's going to be crazy. But for me, it's like Oppo's fine line has always been like the OnePlus version. Like the no holds bar. Yes, we do premium mid-rangers and that's where we make money. But this is the Vanguard phone. This is what we can do. And so, so for me, what I have to say about Oppo this year is that Oppo has come front and center for me as of, you know, this is not an industry trend I'm talking about. This is my personal awakening on Oppo. I did not have access to a lot of Oppo phones in the past. And this year, it started with Alex sending me an Oppo R17 Pro yeah, yeah. Uh, just before MWC. So I used that at MWC and I was pretty happy with it. Then I used, I, I skipped the the, the, the the Reno 10X. I never got my hands on it. But he sent me the Reno 2 and I'm really happy with that phone. Then I got to play with the Reno Z, which is a MediaTek P90 phone. And I'll be frank with you, it's a very mid-range phone. Nobody cares about this phone. It's it's obsolete now because it came out with the original Reno line. But here's the thing that blew me away, Jaime. I took it with me to um to uh to what is it called? MediaTek's thing. And yeah. I was amazed with the camera on this. Oh, it's yeah, got the no. IMX586, 48 megapixel. It it only has two cameras in the back. It has that and a depth sensing camera, like for portraits, right? Yeah. It's it's a basic phone. But the imaging performance that Oppo is bringing to the table right now is really impressing yeah. me. They are upping their game in a major way. I feel that after Samsung, Apple, Huawei, Oppo is really the next in line in terms of imaging right now. I think so too. I think so too. And, and I Xiaomi, I don't have enough seat time really to judge. I was very impressed with the K20, mm-hmm. um, Redmi K20. The imaging on that for the price, I mean, there was no OIS on the main lens, but it still did a very, very good job. So I think Xiaomi's also right on their heels. Xiaomi, Apple are really doing a good job right now. Well, I, I, think, um, that, I think that Xiaomi figured out the camera ever since the Mi Mix 2. Like that camera was really good. Um, regardless, yes. at the beginning, like it, I remember the first one that I got was a prototype. It was good most of the time, but then they, you know, they refined their software and it was really good. Like I, it's interesting, but like right now, it's like very hard. I, I it's one of the main reasons why I want to gag OnePlus sometimes because I'm like, why can't you figure this part out? Exactly, like it's, you've it's, got access to this technology. Why can't you do it? Exactly, and and you know, I, I do understand. Like in the case of Oppo. 
I've been liking Oppo photography. You're gonna, you're not gonna believe this since 2015, since the original R lineup. But see, no. I didn't have access until really until last year. I started really getting into Oppo phones, and so this year was a revelation for me. I was like, wow, these phones take good photos. They did R5 and R5 Plus, and so it's funny because back then I didn't understand anything about ISPs or you know the fact that the image signal processor was dependent on the processor. And I have no, like, these phones were powered by Snapdragon 600 series chips, and yet mm -hmm. they performed so well. Like, I have photos that I took with the Oppo R5 Plus from back in the day, and they performed really well, you know? Yeah. yeah. You know? I mean, I'm happy. I'm impressed. I mean, it's incredible to me that in, within a year, they went from Reno to Reno 2 to Reno 3, right? Like, we're like, they are really, like, every four months, it's like a new freaking phone. <laughs> but, but I don't get it, because they're, they're, they're playing a Sony and... <laughs> I'm like but Sony. It's in China, it works probably. They probably sell so many phones. And India, remember, India is so spec driven, right? That that's their bread and butter, I think. Yeah. So let's switch to Vivo because that's the last thing I want to talk about. And we, we're running out of time anyway. But Vivo is the third, you know, child of BBK here. So uh, there's rumors of an X35 G with a periscope camera. Yeah. So have you seen that? What do you think? Oh, you know. What do you think of Vivo in general? It's. It's well. They've how many innovations have they come up with? The first pop-up camera was Vivo. The yeah. first under-display fingerprint scanner was yeah. Vivo. They weren't the first to do these para these periscopic cameras, but yet, like, I mean, I, I think it's like the natural progression. I'm just going to ask you a little question. What do you do? You really think that there's because the problem? My problem with the Reno, the the original Reno 10X Zoom was that phone was thick, like. I never got one, so I don't have a point of oh reference. Oh my god, that phone was like really thick with two Z's, okay. and so well, and so was it thicker than the P30 Pro? Significantly. Okay, so they basically did tell a, a periscope camera, but it was it was like knackered. It was yeah, like because they didn't know because, what to do. because they what they did was they made the camera design flush with the chassis to avoid the hump, which makes a lot of sense because you can throw in an insane battery in there. But then, like, the, the, the body of the phone was just so thick. I was like, oh, my God. And so, I don't know. I I don't know if periscopic cameras have a future right now that we're getting up to 200 megapixel support in the Snapdragon 865. Do yeah. they make sense if you can do this digitally is the question. Well, I don't think we're quite there with the digital stuff yet. Like, I think that the problem is that, yes, you, you can zoom in more when you have 108 megapixels. But remember the size of those pixels. I may. And now things like the algorithm, the super zoom algorithm Google's using, where it's using the wiggle of your hand to interpolate subpixels, that works pretty well. But I don't know of anyone actually actively doing that other than Google right now. And as you saw, as you tried to convince me at the tech summit at Qualcomm, it doesn't make much of a difference in good light. No, it doesn't. It's so, not it's not amazing. And so I don't think I think optical is still there for a little while, but I think do we need periscope? I think a five times or three times optical that's not periscope stacked lenses might still be fine. Well, here's the problem with opticals. I mean, how many camera lenses do you have that have persistent aperture when you focus in? Well, none. I mean, a lot of them, but they're really expensive. There are, right? but they're like really big lenses and they're really expensive. Yeah. And so the biggest the biggest challenge when you do and I think that this one of the, that's one of the things that Apple gets right. They're like telephoto ultra wide or or uh, you know standard you're going to get the same uh, color reproduction and dynamic range yep. theoretically. Yep. Dynamic yep. range yep. is a little theoretical, but uh, that's the biggest problem. Like I 
you know, to a certain degree, even if you were to use a professional camera, it's very difficult for a telephoto to be always useful unless you use it for specific scenarios. In my case, I love them for street photography. I, yes. I, I love telephotos for like if I portraits want portraits too. Yeah, for yeah. portraits, they're they're perfect. But in the end, I'm, you know, it's very difficult for a telephoto to be useful in low light, to be useful in certain tight scenarios. And so I don't think the periscopic cameras are like achieving that because you've no. got the you've got that extra like space within the body of the phone where that periscopic effect. I mean, you know, single lens reflex cameras have been doing periscopic, you know, technology for I don't know what how, how many like decades, wow. yeah, since, decades since the word reflex <laughs> yeah, exactly but, means that. But, yeah, but like I don't know, I. I I wasn't really impressed. Like it's it's nice to have, but I would rather them. Fix- I mean, I think that Huawei shows it's viable. I think their implementation where they do the OIS with the prism instead of doing the OIS with the lens, yeah, is is actually one benefit of having the the periscopic. You have more room to move the lens around, yeah, uh, for a correction. I think the big thing you just touched on, which I think is is really true, is that we have yet to see a serious phone maker, although it's come close with the, the Mate 30 Pro now. We've yet to see a phone maker put the same sensor on all three lenses. That's what we really need. And that's what we really we need. need. We need the optics, but we need OIS and the same sensor on everything. Right. And so we're not seeing that. Like you keep seeing eight megapixel telephoto lenses. You can't shoot 4K video with eight megapixels, guys. No. Like how are you gonna do telephoto with the? You're not doing telephoto with the telephoto lens when you're shooting video on right. that phone. And, and, and you're using the main lens, and then it goes all to hell. If, if, if anything, I would. If you give me that periscopic zoom lens and you give me that 48 megapixel camera, then it becomes a beast because that that's like the total stalker exactly. phone. That that's yeah. like binoculars on steroids <laughs> right now because yeah, exactly the biggest problem is that if you do their their basic optics like in the Reno 10X, it's funny how you know it's 5X optical, it's 6X hybrid and yet for some reason the camera the, the faults to 6X, 6X which is like stupid. I'm like what's why? Like I want optical. Um, I mean it's expensive to do that. That's why they're not doing it. You know, they're not putting good sensors behind the secondary lenses because if you start doing that, you, you're going really up in price really quickly. Or or should is there a way for you to just be able to like swap the camera focals on mm. one sensor? Because moment lenses. Yeah, but without without <laughs> having without yeah, having yeah. to detach something, you know, like a yeah, slider. And, and also sealed so you don't have to worry about dust and stuff. Because that's be cool. that's the other problem. My biggest concern with like with any foldable, uh, with the find X at its, at, at its time is a basic engineering principle. The more moving parts you have, the more opportunity yeah. for failure. And that's the problem. And that's why I actually like the fact that you know, we don't have a little slider mechanically in the back to switch lenses because you can imagine how this ba- how badly that would wear out after some time. After some time, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Well, listen, we should wrap it up. Um, do you want to tell folks where on the internet they can find you? That's a good question. Um, uh, business-wise, <laughs> Pocket Now on everywhere, uh, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter. 
Um, you'll find me on Jaime Rivera on Instagram mostly, posting photos of my food and uh, my workouts, because that's the only way I hold myself accountable to come back to the gym the next day. <laughs> but that's me. <maybe. laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, you should follow Jaime. There's also the Pocketcast Daily, which is a video show that he produces. It's on the Pocketcast YouTube channel. Check it out. Uh, and also on the obviously on the main website you can get to the daily but it's a great source for me every day to know what's going on in the industry and I think you should definitely uh, subscribe to that channel and and watch Jaime every day thank you great great source of news you know where to find me folks on the internet I'm at Tankerl that's T-N-K-G-R-L on Instagram and on Twitter that's like Tankerl the comic book character without the vowels uh, and of course Twitter is where you should engage with me about this podcast if you have questions comments you should do it on Twitter if uh, you want to watch pretty pictures of phones and pretty pictures taken with phones you should check out the Instagram channel and then uh, there's a YouTube channel that goes with the podcast uh, youtube.com slash Miriam Joar it's my full name spelt out without a space you can find my full name on my Twitter account and there's a bunch of videos there hands-ons unboxings related content to the show so if you want some visual content to go along with your podcast, you know, maybe you can watch it at the same time as you're listening or something without the audio on. It'll be great. Subscribe to that channel. Like the channel. You know, do the notification bell, all that good stuff. Tell your friends. Uh, comment in the channel if you want to talk to me. That'd be great. And I want to thank our sponsor, Audible. Audible.com has been with us for a while now, or quite a long time, and they are really the best place to go for audiobooks. If you like audiobooks, if you like listening to books, they're your go-to. So check them out. We have a special deal right now, 30-day free trial, so that you support the podcast while getting some free books. Uh, you get to keep them even if you cancel, so check that out. It's going to be in the show notes below in the description, so uh, check it out. The link is audibletrial.com slash mobile tech that's audibletrial.com slash mobile tech please consider supporting the podcast by getting audible and you know you don't have to keep it if you don't like it uh, another thing is the podcast url is mobiletechpodcast.com if you stumbled upon the show by accident and you want to know how to subscribe you can subscribe there's an rss feed but most importantly we're on all the big platforms google podcast apple podcast pocket cast overcast uh, spotify everywhere if you do subscribe through a channel that allows you to rate us and to uh, review us please review us us being me and my guests and Jaime, thanks again for being on the show. Really appreciate it. Always a pleasure to be here, Miriam. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. We'll have you on again soon, and we'll have a show next week, folks. So stay tuned for that. Cheers, everybody. Alexa, shut up. This has been the Mobile Tech Podcast with Tank Girl, proudly presented by worldpodcasts.com. You can visit us online at mobiletechpodcast.com.